Welcome back to another week Beyond the Walls with Team World Vision, my friends. We are getting into the nitty gritty this week in the first part of a great conversation we had with our new friend, Steve Hallinan, who's a longtime and very successful runner who I happen to meet on a run myself here in Pasadena. Steve is a key account manager at Features, the leading performance sock brand in the U.S. Steve also has an extensive running background as he has run dozens of races, even qualifying for the Olympic trials and the marathon in 2011. So that's right, this guy, he's fast, super fast. And this Philadelphia native, he has a thing or two to tell us about the sport of running. For our newbies or our veterans alike, Steve's advice today is going to help you get through your training season to the start line and across that finish line. And also, we have a discount code that you are not going to want to miss. So stay tuned for all that info at the end of our episode or go check out our show notes. Now, listen in and enjoy Steve and I's conversation. And remember to always trust the process. Thanks for joining us beyond the walls with Team World Vision, Steve. How are you today? I'm doing great. So this is wild. You know, we're just you know wandering through the beautiful city of Pasadena, and lo and behold, I meet you and your wife and your son at, at a fountain, and now you're here um, on our podcast today. It was a maybe one of those just moments that were meant to be. It's funny how things like that work out. Um, yeah, just wandering through the through the streets by of Pasadena by uh, City Hall, right back up against the Sheridan Hotel. My son Dash is obsessed with fountains, so we to try to kill an hour. We often bring them anywhere there's a fountain, and I'll say like I noticed that you were wearing, I think Brooks running shoes, and your husband was either wearing Brooks or New Balance, and I was like, and I kind of were masked up, and I'm saying to my wife, I think they're runners. Like we should just say hi, and here we are. And here we are. And you're right. We were both wearing Brooks, and we were out for a run with our Bob stroller. So I think like all the flags were waving that <laughs> we are runners. I did not have to be a detective to figure that one out. Yeah. Well, and immediately as we were walking away, George said, I bet he was fast. <laughs> yeah, I used, I used to be quick. I used to be quick back in my day. Back in your day. Well, how did you get into running? I mean, before we get all these golden nuggets from you that we uh -huh. get to, to hold on to for our season ahead, how did you get into running? So I'm one of three. I'm the youngest of three. I have two sisters that are one is a year older, one is two years older. So we're right, bing, bang, boom. My parents didn't waste any time. And my sister, who's a year older, when she was in fourth grade, started running cross country in the fall and then track in the spring. And I just followed in her footsteps. So when I was nine years old, I started running cross country and it was practice two days a week and on the weekend, go down to Belmont Plateau in Philadelphia and run a 3K. That's awesome. And that just kind of morphed into doing it the next throughout the rest of grade school so from fourth grade to eighth grade and then high school mix in indoor track so it's cross-country indoor outdoor track and did that in high school um, and then I went on to college and I ran at American University in Washington DC and you know with running Lindsay you know this there's there actually isn't a season off often soccer's in the fall and baseball's in the spring and basketball's in the winter but then there's off seasons track mm -hmm. and cross country there is no off seasons especially for distance runners because even in the summertime you're prepping for cross country i ran my four years in college and then did run four years post-collegiately kind of on that semi-professional level i began as a beginner i began as a beginner a lot younger than most people begin as beginners and 
transitioned all the way through to, you know, that kind of pro level running. And now I, I just run four or five, six days a week because it's in my DNA at this point. So I don't train for any races at this point. I've run more races in my lifetime than I could even count, but Mm -hmm. I've had all the experiences that running could offer, I would say. Well, we're happy to glean from them today, my friend. (laughs) For sure. My best. Yeah. What's your favorite distance? I mean, after all those years doing all the things. That's a tough one. I would probably say the mile just Ah. because I did it for so many years. Um, My wife was a college soccer player and then got into running. She ended up running at American as well when collegiate soccer career ended. She always tells me that I'm better on the roads, but like I said, starting at a young age, it was always from age nine, I was running the mile, high school running the mile, college running the 1500 technically. That's the distance that I would say I have the most history with. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I will always with someone, even in high school, you know, in indoor and outdoor track, I would run anything from the 800, even the 400, because I would run the four by four all the way up to the two mile. And I loved it. And then in cross country, you run 5k. And we always had specialists on our team that preferred cross country or preferred track. So when it was cross country, they just wanted it to be track or the cross country guys, when it was track season, they just wanted it to be cross country. I loved running whatever season it was. I mean, I was good at both. In high school, I was the Pennsylvania State Cross Country Runner of the Year my senior year. And then I also had the fastest mile time in the state, my, I think, during indoor track at least. So I had that range that I could kind of do it all. Um, but so a long answer to your short question of what was my, I, I, I'd probably say the mile. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and that's pretty sick to be a speedy miler, which is basically a sprint these days, and to be able to hold that kind of competitive threshold through a cross country race, you know, a 5K. That's that's tough work. It's a ment. I mean, running in general, it's just a mental grind. So, as I got faster in high school, it gave me the confidence that, oh, I can go out and run five minute pace for three miles of cross country because I can run four. 12 in the mile Mm -hmm. so that that perspective changes and I mean I I have a my oldest sister was not a runner um she was the smart one you know she got the best SATs even though I I always tell her that you're not that much smarter than me um (laughs) you know she she got into running after college and it started with how most people start post-college she Uh wanted to do a couch to 5k program and then the couch to 5k program became the 10k Mm -hmm. then it became a 10 miler then it became a half marathon and she did end up doing a a full marathon and i can remember at one point during her training for the marathon being like hey what's what's your long run this weekend oh it's only only 14 something like that it's like isn't that funny how that worked out that last year this time you were your goal was 13 and now it's only 14 is my long run. So, you know, I think that perspective of how running the mental side of things, how, how it works, it, it, it applies at all levels, whether you're the, the elitist of the elite making the Olympics and, you know, winning a gold medal, uh, or you're just hoping to do a 5k where you're, where you don't walk. It's interesting. I'm, I'm sure a psychologist would love to, <laughs> I'm sure they have dug, you know, I'm sure they've dug into it a lot, but um, probably endless. Yeah. 
No, and that's a great point. I'm glad that you bring up your sister because a lot of the folks on our team right now that are running, you know, as we're talking, they're moving their feet. Um, we've got run walkers, you know, folks that are, are just brand new couch to course, like you're saying, that are going from couch to marathon. They're making it happen. Mm-hmm. And, and leaning into, like you said, that mental aspect and what our bodies are actually capable of doing um, over time is, is really a miraculous feat. It's, it is incredible. Um, before working for features, I worked at a run specialty store in DC called Pacers Running. And every day, most of the days I was in the store, I'm fitting people for running shoes. And you're not just fitting shoes. You're a coach, or you're a psychologist, you're a psychiatrist, you're a nutritionist. You know, everyone, they step in those doors and, and we're the experts. So they want advice on what, what is the best way for them to get to the course healthy and to complete what they want to complete. And a lot of the times I would tell people, you know, cause they'd say, Oh, do you run? The, the funny thing is like, Oh, do you run? Yeah, I run like, Oh, so what's your best marathon? And I actually have never finished a marathon. I, I did qualify for the, the Olympic trials marathon in 2012, but I had a knee injury. So I stepped off the course at 18 miles and at, you know, so I would, I'd be honest. I'm like, Oh, I've never completed a marathon. I'm like, really? So you're really a, a runner. I'm like, Yes, I I'm, I really am a runner. I promise. But um, I would tell them often, the the people that are out there for five six hours doing a marathon, I'm I'm in awe of that because the longest I've ever run in my life is two hours and twenty minutes straight. Mm-hmm. So to be out there for six hours, enduring that physical and mental anguish, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know if I, I I would hope that I could do it, but I've never tested myself to do that. Um, so the, you know, to your point, it's to start to do that from next to next to nothing is incredible, mm-hmm. first and foremost. think a lot of times there is that hesitation to get going because Mm -hmm. there's that fear that you know what a you don't want to fail at the attempt or Mm -hmm. there is this kind of monster built up that running and fitness and working out is is harder than it seems I mean I I often tell any new would tell any new runner like just because there's a training plan in place it doesn't mean that that's written in stone and you have to follow it to a T. You know, at the end of the day, the best thing that any runner can be is a student of their own body. Mm. So knowing, hey, I've got this race in a month, and yes, this schedule calls for me to run 20 miles today, but I've got this calf that hasn't really been feeling right mm-hmm. and not forcing the issue. And maybe, you know, you go out for a run like let's say you want to accomplish 20 miles maybe you split it up maybe do 10 and 10 and Mm -hmm. 10 in the morning 10 at night and maybe after that first 10 mile run it's like you know this isn't getting better i'm better suited to be healthy and just foregoing the extra 10 like for a lot of people that's a challenge because we're feel like as humans creatures that if it's if it's out there and we say we're gonna do 
something, we have to do it. So the, the thought of just skipping out on things is, is tough, but one progression is key. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, not, not thinking, I, I guess, approaching it that the journey isn't a straight line. Mm -hmm. There's going to be yeah. super highs. There may be some lows. Things may not go as planned, but you know, at the end of the day, you're challenging yourself. And, and if you feel good with, with what you're doing and the outcome, it's, that's all you can ask for. Yeah. We've got a guy, um, one of our team captains and leaders here in LA actually that says, Hey, any forward movement is a pace <laughs> and just to keep on moving. Um, and I appreciate, like you said, that it's just not a straight line, you know? Um, I mean, there might be folks right now moving your feet that you might feel like sludge and there are days that you're going to feel like sludge and there are other days that you're going to feel great. And it's about, yeah, just continuing along that path. And Steve, like you mentioned, I think it is really important to know, Hey, the plan is there to work the plan, but if your body is really saying no, it's important, you know, to get in and see a specialist or to give yourself a little bit of time off. Or like you said, those long runs as they, as they build, you know, if you can split them up, um, you know, and you, and we shouldn't do it all the time, but yeah, if you've got a 16 miler and you know, you can't get it in, or you've been injured, Hey, to do eight in the morning and eight at night or to do eight at night, go to sleep, wake up, do eight in the morning. Um, it just breaks it up a little bit. It's easier on your body and you're still getting that cumulative miles that you need. Still spending the time on the legs. And at mm -hmm. the end of the day, it's getting those muscles conditioned to endure that four plus hours on your legs, six plus, whatever it is. And it doesn't matter when that comes. It's just building that base. So as people are out there building that base, like you're talking about, you know, we're, we, our plan goes from mile or from minutes to miles, like many in that couch to course frame. And then the miles continue to build. Um, we get up to 20, then we can taper down to the finish line for the full marathon. Um, but as we're out there longer, right, like you're saying, you're building that stamina and that cardio, but even just the strength that your, your body's adapting to the miles and to the pounding and getting stronger as you go. Um, but to, to do that well, you do need a good pair of shoes. You, you do need to take care of your body, right? Um, and I would love if you could maybe, yeah, dig into that running specialty side of your brain um, and maybe share some tips with us about what is it really, what's really worth it to invest in? Like, let's just call it for what it is. Running can be an expensive sport. You think, oh, I'm just going to get a pair of shoes. This is easy. You know, but there are a lot of things that you actually could spend your money on or you don't necessarily need to. And I'm, I'm curious from your experience, wh where do you get the most bang, bang for your buck? What do you really need, need to have to take good care of yourself? Well, I'll start by saying I've been shopping at running specialty stores since I was nine. Every season I had a cross country in the fall or track, outdoor track in the spring. Yeah, like I said, throw indoor in there. Once I got to high school, I was getting a pair of training shoes every se every season. And then I was getting a pair of training sh shoes in the summertime because I needed it for the summer miles. So when I was, let's say from 14 onward, I was getting four pairs of training shoes a year and I was going in and getting fit and I was chatting with the owner or chatting with the, the trusted fitter that I had that I, that knew me young and, and watched my career and all that just to get there just to get advice, gain advice from them and gain knowledge from them. So the first thing anybody that can do that I would recommend is go to your local running store and ask questions, certainly get fit for a good pair of shoes, you know, going to a Walmart or Kmart or wherever and spending 40 bucks on shoes. While the price tag may seem better than 130, the 
the quality product that you're getting, it's, mm -hmm. it's just not going to hold up and it's not go going to allow you and your body to do what you have planned or what your goal is, is to accomplish. So that's certainly the first and most important thing is getting into a, a running specialty store and getting a gait analysis and getting fit for a pair of shoes. I always tell people, look, y'all, you can buy a good pair of shoes right now and take care of yourself, or you can pay for physical therapy later. <laughs> so like, let's just get the shoes and have a better experience um, than ending up feeling beat up and bruised and making this harder than it needs to be. So you yeah. said gait analysis too. So like, yeah, going into these shoe, into these shoe stores, they're not just like choosing the prettiest shoe on the wall here, right? Um, can you say a little bit more of that, the gait analysis process and getting into a good pair of shoes? Absolutely. Uh, so going into a running specialty store and if you go in and say, hey, I need a gait analysis, I'm getting ready to train for my first marathon. What should be happening first is the fitter is going to get you out of your shoes. They're more than likely gonna get a Brannock device out, uh, throwback to the old days when, when everybody would step on Brannock devices to measure your foot. They're going to get a measurement and they're going to watch the customer walk. They're going to watch them stand. Mm -hmm. They're going to get a sense for how their foot moves when they're in movement. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of times it's good to do that barefoot. Mm -hmm. Then they'll get them in a pair of shoes. And if they don't get them on a treadmill to run, they'll get them outside to run up and down the sidewalk. If there's enough space in the store, maybe they'll have have them run up and down inside the store. Just again, see how the foot moves while in motion mm -hmm. because in this run specialty channel, there are different categories of shoes mm -hmm. and the categories of shoes are meant to meet the demands of different runners. So the main two categories, it's either a neutral shoe or it's a stability shoe. Mm -hmm. A neutral shoe is when someone is out running, if their foot lands pretty evenly on the heel and just rolls through the mid stance, which is kind of the phase that a runner is when they're kind of over their arch and then to toe off, they're a neutral runner. There's no movement, whether it's inside or outside going on. So they can stay in a pretty regular, normally constructed shoe. Mm -hmm. Stability shoes are for those people that over pronate. So mm -hmm. over pronating happens if a runner comes down and is a little bit off center on the heel when landing what happens is you're not going to run on the outer rim of your foot. The foot is going to pronate, which is just the, the motion from going from the outside inward. But in a lot of instances, all of that momentum and force can cause the foot, once you get to that mid stance, so once you're over the arch, to have the foot collapse a little bit inward. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of breaching that off-center position and the, and the arch collapses inward a little bit and the ankle bone dives inward a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where a lot of runners can get into trouble if they don't have the proper shoe mm -hmm. suffering from plantar fasciitis or shin splints or knee pain because the biomechanics of the body are then just off. So mm -hmm. a stability shoe is reinforced underneath that medial or inside arch mm -hmm. to provide a, more, a bit more stability, hence mm -hmm. the stability category, to yeah. keep that foot from traveling in that plane, if you will, you know, it, it, it's going from out to in and to stop it from going further in, there's that reinforcement there that keeps it in that level, stable platform. 
Yeah. Um, I wish our people could see you right now. Cause friends, if you could see Steve, he's actually like, you can see, it's like, he's pretending he's running and as his foot hits the ground, he's rolling in and you can actually see like his shoulders drop a little bit. And, and if you think about that, if you're running right now, if your foot is rolling in, like he's saying the pressure that's going to put on your ankle or up to your IT band or into your hips or like with plantar fasciitis, there's, we don't think about how these small things like you're saying over hours or over miles really add up and can really like have a toll on our bodies. So like small things like this, like a good pair of shoes, save us a lot of money in the long haul. A lot of running injuries, it's not a traumatic impact, one moment impact that causes the injury, like breaking a bone, right? You break your bone, you fall, you hit funny bone snaps. A lot of running injuries, plantar fasciitis, shin splints, IT band issues, hip flexor injuries. It is the accumulation of being slightly off biomechanically step after step after step after step for six hours. Mm -hmm. And liken it to if you have a rubber band and you just stretch the rubber band a little bit too far and it, it, if that's happening to your tendons over and over and over again, at some point where they originally it, it's gonna it's gonna get a little jacked up so the, the footwear for sure is the number one thing that can stabilize your body because mm -hmm. your feet are the foundation so your feet need to be taken care of first you know I, I did that I worked at the store in DC for six and a half years I got to the point where I could look at someone just walking in off the street and as they're walking back to the shoe wall I'm like if this person needs to get fit for a shoe they need this category of shoe. it's People, it's it's an eye thing, and it's 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 kind of an art, if you will. Like it's not, there's no like number crunches that you put formulas into any type of thing, and and you know this is what the answer is going to be. It's it's the person having that trained eye of doing it over and over again that will allow them to get you the category of shoe that works. Now every footwear brand makes a shoe inside that category, whether you're whether it's Brooks, whether it's New Balance, whether it's Hoka, whether it's Nike, whether it's Adidas, whether it's Ultra, whether it's Mizuno, you know, the list goes on and on. All, all of these brands are the major players in the running specialty market and they make great footwear. There's, there's not a brand that makes bad footwear. However, mm -hmm. there is a brand that's going to fit the runners, the customers needs best. So once the gate analysis happens and once that shoe fitter, that sales associate figures out what is going to best suit this runner's need, it now then comes down to what the runner finds is most comfortable. And it's that process, I would say, in, a, in some instances, it's almost like someone steps into a shoe and they don't know instantly, oh, no, yeah, this is the shoe for me. In other instances, it, I mean, it's, it's a tough challenge to, to know, hey, I just took 10 paces in a store. How am I going to know how this feels after five miles? So I would say a lot of stores give a little bit of wiggle room, whether it's 14 days or whether it's a month where if someone goes out and they run once, twice, three times and something doesn't feel right, you can swap. I mean, that's, yeah. these, yep. these stores are local to the community. You know, they want to support their local economy. They're a local business and they, and they want to do right by the people that, that live there. So they're, it's not like, oh, you, bu you buy it and then it's yours. And mm -hmm. you know, there, there's no, there's no wiggle room past that. So a lot of stores will work with the runner to ensure that, they get the right product. And, you know, if you think about it, the best thing for any of these stores is to get someone 
consistently running. I mean, I, I just told you how I was buying four pairs of shoes a year when I was in high school. And I, as a, my sister, who's a year older, was doing the same thing. So my mom was buying eight pairs of shoes a year from our local running store for right. four to five years. And, you know, and then we were getting our track spikes and our racing flats. So it's, you know, we were, we were a key customer for, for that store owner. Yeah. And, um, you know, so the, the store owners and the associates at these stores, they're going to take care of you because they want you yeah. to stay healthy. They want you to come back. They want you to find that passion for running. You know, that's, that's what they're in the business of doing, helping their customers and getting people fit. Yeah. What is the average lifespan of a shoe? So how does like, you know, somebody that maybe, um, you know, has trained through one season and they're like, ah, I'm just going to keep running in these shoes for a little bit longer type of idea, you know, or I've got this, this pair of tennis shoes that maybe I even did get sized for, but then, you know, life happened. I just really haven't used them. So I'm just going to pull them out, you know, the closet, dust them off, wear them for a while. Like, what is the average lifespan? How do I know I need a new pair of shoes? Great question. And a very loaded question. I'll <laughs> add in there if you don't mind. Um, yeah. Because to your point, someone maybe bought a pair of shoes two years ago and they never used them. So they're old. So they're, they're old. They... A lot of these shoes, the midsole is foam based. I mean, the foam is, is going to get broken down whether you use them or not. You know, it's, if you use them, it's going to get broken down a lot quicker. If they sit dormant in your closet, yeah, maybe they're not going to be as, you don't have to replace them every year, obviously with no use, but you're not going to get as much life out of them versus a brand new shoe. So my answer to that is a little bit different than what a lot of people say. Now, it, it kind of gets close to a similar result, but mm -hmm. most people will say, oh, you have four to 500 miles on the shoe. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily like that answer the best because my four or 500 miles on a shoe is a lot different than everybody else's four or 500 miles on a shoe, right? If I'm running a five mile run and it takes me 30 to 35 minutes to do that five mile run, I'm spending a lot less time in the shoe than someone who's doing a five minute mile run at 12 minute pace and it's taking right. an hour. So they're spending double the amount of time in the shoe that I am. So, you know, in theory, that shoe under my running isn't getting as beat up, isn't getting beat up as much. Consistent training, someone training for a marathon, on average over a 16 week period, they're probably going to be running 20 to 30 miles a week. You know, some weeks heavier than others, you know, when you're first starting out, it's maybe 10 miles, but towards the peak, if you're doing a 20 mile run, you're more than likely probably running 40 miles in that week. That's, um, his, that's our peak week right there, Steve. You run, I think 42 miles on peak yep. week on our 20 mile week. Mm -hmm. I would say during that cycle of, of running, you'll, you'll get close to putting in that kind of range of four or 500 miles, let's say, you know, so my, my recommendation, it always tends to be, if you run three to four times a week, and you do it consistently for six months, you're going to need, need a new pair of shoes by six months. If you're running five, four, five, six days a week, and you're doing it consistently, you're probably going to need a new pair of shoes every four months. Mm -hmm. you know, if you're running two or three times a week, and it's three, four times at a, at a clip, you could maybe stretch it to eight. But my, my line I always would tell people coming in and asking that question is you, you never want your shoe to see it and a, a one year birthday or one year anniversary. That's normally a sign that you're, the shoes may still feel good because at the end of the day, how these shoes are constructed and built and designed, they're, gonna, they're the best performing shoes, most technologically advanced shoes on the market. So yeah. Yeah. You know, these shoes are going to feel better than anything that you're getting off the rack mm -hmm. somewhere else.
However, it's just the how the components are designed. The midsole is going to be compressed down, so the shock absorption isn't going to be there. If you need that stability, that pillar of support, that posting is going to be broken down, so you're not getting that proper support to keep that foot level in the proper position, so that you're not putting strain on the on the knees and the hips and all that, and you know that we discussed previously. So again, while it may feel good because it feels better than anything else, yeah, it's not functioning how it's properly meant to function. So again, if it's any level running three, two, three times a week, up to five, six times a week, you want to be somewhere in that range of every four to eight months. And like I said, certainly don't want to see a birthday because that would be a bad, that's a bad sign. Bad birthday. Bad birthday. <laughs>